So I made some big life changes when I was 24. And the two things that really saved me and also um, started to create like identities around were um, 12-step programs and being a Kundalini yoga teacher. And they're both like really beautiful, healthy things that helped me um, so much. I spent a decade being those things. And so I am still those things, but it's been a really interesting experience to like let those. They're, they're identities that saved me and put me on a certain path. And so now I'm sort of like, oh, okay, is there more? Um, what's underneath there? Do I need those identities anymore? I don't, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I don't. Maybe I'll still be okay without them. Hey, Yogi Triathlete community, welcome back to the podcast. I am so psyched to be here with BJ and our friend Kyla from Newport, Rhode Island. (laughs) It's just so crazy. We're in Ojai, California right now, and Kyla is on an epic adventure, which is why we want her on this podcast. Um, One of the reasons, she's got a great story that we want to share. She's a kundalini teacher. I've been wanting to have a kundalini teacher on the pod for a while, and I had you in mind, like even when we were living in Newport and getting ready to move into our car, but we only had a, um, a certain amount of time. And, uh, and so anyway, as the universe works, it's beautiful magic. We're now here in this amazing town in this super cool retro like hotel thing. And uh, yeah, and here we are. So we're psyched, Kyla. So happy to have you here with us. Thanks for having me. So uh, before we dive in, I just wanted to say one thing, a story that I w- was going to tell you before we put the mics on, but then I said, let's just wait for the podcast. So... In 2016, when BJ and I knew that we were going to hit the road, we spent many months not telling anybody, really making sure that we were solid, had the energy really solid around this because we knew there were going to be naysayers. And they were. I mean, people told us everything from you're going to be murdered on this trip to what are you doing? You guys are crazy. California's. Pay for it. Oh my God. Yeah, California's the worst and all this stuff. And it was right before, like, I think it was days before we were we were leaving and I walked into your Kundalini, your iconic Tuesday night class. <laughs> I remember you being Rhode there. Island, and you just locked eyes with me and you said, I heard you're doing something amazing. And it was like, I needed to hear that so bad. You oh, had I just no, got chills. I you totally had no said that. idea because it was one of those nights where I was like, I just, I have to go to Kyla's class and just breathe and stir some stuff up because everybody was pouring their fear. Not everyone, a lot of people were pouring fear all over us. And to just walk in and have you welcome welcome me in like that and just confirm that what we were doing was actually amazing. And now here we are and you're doing a very amazing thing. I said it was amazing, but I also thought it was a little crazy, which is <laughs> in I, the best way. Yeah. So it's funny. It's, it's ironic that um, what's three years later? Yeah. Three yeah. years later, I'm doing a, a similar thing. Yeah. So I know. So tell us so about crazy. it because you were settled in. Like you had a very successful business. You had the boyfriend. You had the the house. Like yeah. you were. You had a following. So tell us about like. Yeah, how did you get here in Ojai, in our hotel room? (laughs) (laughs) One, my first response is, I have no idea. (laughs) Um, But yes, similar experience to um, what you guys felt um, was that, um, yeah, I had all the things. I had um, reached all these goals and dreams I had. I had um, opened a yoga studio and a store. I was about to buy a condo. I was in a relationship. Um, I had a really beautiful uh, yoga following and Tuesday night class. And I felt really um, like claustrophobic. Um, I felt like I was, it's like reading a book that's way too close to your face kind of thing. Um, I couldn't like, I had no space to breathe. Um, So I know how that feels. Suffocating. It yeah. felt suffocating. It felt like I needed to. Um, I and I didn't know what the, I didn't know what it was. I just felt like I was in like some kind of cage or something. So I remember laying in bed, and just this like thought came in that I needed a break from um, teaching the Tuesday night class, which is like I mean to yoga teachers that teach like. 15 classes a week. It doesn't seem like a big deal, but it's that this class 
was a class. This class like, was a big it deal. Was a, it was a thing. <laughs> it was so. a thing. Um, so I needed to take a break. And so um, I took a month off from teaching that. And that sort of, in a way, kind of created some space. Like the book in front of my face was kind of like just just gave a little distance so I could read the story a little it was, bit more. It was the first step. It was the first step. Yeah. Once I created that space and had like a little breathing room, I was like, oh, I, this relationship is wonderful, but it's not right. Um, so I had to let go of the relationship. It just wasn't, it just wasn't right. Um, and so that went. <laughs> that was the next step. That created more space. And then I was like, oh, I'm reading the story more now. Uh, okay. Then it became really clear, and this is over the course of like a couple months maybe, that it became clear that um, the store and the yoga studio, which were doing just fine, I mean, they, it, it, need, it needed to go. <laughs> it was just time. It was time to, to close. I had, I don't know. Um, I just got really clear on that. And so let go of the teaching. I let go of the man. I let go of the brick and mortar, and I think that created enough space for for creativity to flow. Mm-hmm. Um, I had more space for intuition and for creativity and for guidance. And also, it got clear that I, I, I needed to be more of service. Like, I wanted more fulfillment. And, um, and I wanted my, I have an online um, clothing company. I wanted that to go somewhere more significant in like the service world. I just don't, I still don't really know how that looks. I'm trying to figure it out. That's what I'm doing. I'm figuring it out. So, um, I'm like, I'm going to start a nonprofit <laughs> and live one month in 12 cities and teach any underserved group that needs me, uh, jails, rehabs, shelters, eating disorder, treatment facilities, anywhere and everywhere. So that was, that was the idea that came. And prior to, you know, taking the steps to make all that happen, I tried to change the idea a zillion times and make it smaller and less scary. But it wouldn't go away. None <laughs> of you guys can relate. But like, I'm like, maybe I'll just do six months. And then, but it just didn't feel right. Like I wasn't getting the like. Well, that's the bargaining, right? The bargaining with yourself to stay safe, <clears throat> to still stay safe. Yes. Yeah. I'm and to like, be relentless. I just bought this beautiful new couch. How am I supposed to like put that in storage? I was like, maybe I'll just fly to each city for um, one week and do one week a month and just stay in Newport. But like also logistically, I couldn't, I mean, that would cost me so much money with the flights and, you know, still trying to run everything at home. And so it's that human hardwiring to stay safe because you're, let's face it, you blew your life up. Totally. You had a business, you had the boyfriend, you were about to buy a condo, you had the following, you had a why wouldn't you stay there? That I had everything safe. I wanted. That everything. was safe and comfortable. <laughs> Why? That makes no sense to the intellect, right? And certainly not to our hard wiring to stay safe and comfortable. And I love how I think what you did is such an important message to people is that you just took the first step. Yes. And you were like, okay, I'm just going to surrender this class. And maybe that was all, maybe that's all I need, but I also it wasn't. Say, I also want to get more clear, like for anyone that listens, like what that feeling like manifested itself as. So I was tired all the time. Um, I had this like constant background anxiety, like it was like background noise, anxiety. I don't know if that makes sense, but I carried around it with me all the time. I, ha- I, I felt, like, depressed a lot. I was crying and stuff. Like, it was just, I didn't feel well. Um, and it sort of slowly, like, came into my life. So it was a bit unnoticeable. So all of a sudden, I'm, like, claustrophobic. And, and like, that state of being starts to feel normal and almost unnoticeable and I'm so busy. So, um, life's moving so fast and I'm doing all the things and you know, so, so did you know, if you know, if you guys in this community know Kyla, which I know a lot of people who we know will be listening to this, you know that you're really, you're really transparent. You share a lot. You're very honest. You're very generous. But did you have like that 
imp- I guess they call it like imposter syndrome. I, here I am trying to sh- slough it off. <laughs> I fucking have had this so many times. It's not even funny. Did you just see what I just tried to do? Like, oh, I think they call it imposter syndrome. I have lived under that, like the grips of that. Like, who do you think you are? Oh, yeah. So here you oh, are. You got yeah. this big following, but you're walking oh, around with this my low gosh, level you have no anxiety. I, oh, yeah, totally. And then like yeah, showing up to teach yoga <laughs> and then people are just showering you. Like, you're so amazing. You're such a great teacher you just called it an iconic yoga class I'm like thanks for the pressure my goodness <laughs> yeah and then it's like I'm eating like ice cream at night like feeling like a loser <laughs> it sucks but it's so true and and um it's a really hard thing to navigate yeah because it it's, you know, it's not your, it's not allowing yourself to live your authentic self, like really live that truth. Mm-hmm. And it's almost, and I think it, I, I, I want to say it, it probably happens to a lot of people in, in this kind of healing modality of, you know, either being a yoga teacher or a massage therapist or whatever, psychotherapist, whatever it is that you are, like that you're living these two different lives sometimes. Yes. During this time, you, you have a meditation practice? Yes. So do you feel like that was important in gaining this clarity in the space and the directives that you took action on? Yes, totally. Um, even even um, just like a few minutes every day can be life-changing. And since I've been on the road, like I, I have like dumbed down my kundalini act, practice actually. Like it's gotten super simple. Like super simple. Kund- I mean... Um, I don't know if everyone listening will know what kundalini is, but it can be pretty technical and wacky and like there's lots going on and it is a beautiful life-changing practice. I think I just made so many big changes and I'm traveling a lot that like simple, simple breathing, mindfulness meditation is really working for me right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when we look at the practices of mindfulness and meditation, the sim- it's the most profound is always... The, the simplest. It's the simplicity. Mm-hmm. It's found totally. in the simplicity. I remember what I was going to say. It's very hard to walk away from something that from the outside is working and that you're getting um, lots of positive reinforcement for. So it felt like inside me, like it felt like it was time to walk away from the store and teaching that Tuesday night class but I'm making lots of money, people love the class, and I'm getting, like, on the daily, like, people, like, affirming, like, this is, this is working, you are great at it, you know, so it's hard to, it's just, it's, that's one of the most challenging parts. It's that conflict, so the inside, yeah, the conflict, so the heart is pulling one way, and the external thought process, thoughts, and backings of all your, your crowd is, is conflicting with what you truly feel. Totally. And so it's really hard to step back and say, oh, but I really need to do this when everything, and I'm sure you had on this adventure that you're yes. on, people that were questioning your oh, 100%. resolve to get out there and dump all this stuff. Totally. And uh, to, tie, to tie that back in with the like simple breathing meditation, um, I think part of this tour is sort of shedding the external identities that I created in Newport um, and just seeing what's there. And so being a kundalini teacher was a big one for me. And I love the practice, but it's kind of like also part of my identity. Mm -hmm. So um, it's been a really interesting experience to live in a new city where nobody knows me as that. Even grocery shopping, I'm like, I'm not going to run into one person here that knows who I am. Yeah, like a market. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody is going to know. And so, and, and like, I don't have any, like, big realizations. I mean, I'm five months in now. Um, I've, I've, you know, had little ones. But that has been a profound experience just to be like, oh, okay, like, wh- who am I now that I don't have these external do I even like yoga? I mean, I do, but it's good to ask these questions. Put yourself in there and it actually really ask it. It's is. a really deep question. It really is. Yeah. And um, I got, you know, I, we were going to talk a little bit about my past with addiction and I got sober when I was um, 24. 
partied really hard and struggled with um, eating disorders, pretty much like all the addictions in the book. So I made some big life changes when I was 24. And the two things that really saved me and also um, started to create like identities around were um, 12-step programs and being a Kundalini yoga teacher. And they're both like really beautiful, healthy things that helped me um, so much. I spent a decade being those things. And so I am still those things, but it's been a really interesting experience to like let those. They're, they're identities that saved me and put me on a certain path. And so now I'm sort of like, oh, okay, is there more? Um, what's underneath there? Do I need those identities anymore? I don't, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I don't. Maybe I'll still be okay without them. I probably will be okay without them. <laughs> yeah. You look yeah. okay right now. So Does I, all that make sense? I think it's really important. You know, like we have to have roles yes. in this physical existence, this world, this earth that we live on. We have to, like, we have to be the interviewers and you to be the interviewee right. for this yes. to even work. Right. But how attached are we to those roles? And that's really what you're uncovering is yes. that are you okay yes. without that Tuesday night class? Right. Are you okay? Are you, can you be joyful and can you be fulfilled and can you be free? Yes. And of, co- of course you can, right? So it's, we're, you know, we're all these actors and the world is our stage and, totally. and, and it's important to play our roles and for and question those roles like you're doing. Is this is this where I'm supposed to be right now? Yeah. Always questioning those roles, regardless of what the the reasoning f- faculty of yes. the mind says. Yes. Like on paper, everything looks great here, Kyla. Stay with it, right? But right. you're walking around with this this background noise of anxiety and having yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> Which I think cream. a lot of people are. I think a lot right. of people yes. are in that. But and yeah. that's, this is but so important. Notice, you got to keep yeah. growing. If you don't, you'll get into that. I mean, um, yeah. Well, I think yeah. a lot of people are living with that in background noise of anxiety, yes. and that it's that this is. I mean, I did it. It's right. the norm. It it's the norm. It becomes the norm. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. you probably uh, did, yeah. BJ, to yep. a this degree. What, yeah. Like, and you're peeling off those layers. Still, and, yep. and getting curious yep. about um, about that, and especially if we're in conflict. Especially when we're in conflict, when that heart and the mind are in conflict, because yes. the truth sits right in the middle of that. Right. Right in right. the throat. Um, and I want to get back, I really want to talk about kind of the experiences that you've had on the road, but because you brought up, you know, your transformation at such a young age in your 20s, what was that rock bottom that pulled you out? Huh. I, uh, every time I've made a major change in my life, um, it's not because I am super spiritual and just thought it would be a great growth moment. <laughs> I've either gotten cornered or caught. Ah, thank God. So I know there's like something working in my life. So yeah, I had years of, actually not even that many years. Ah, thank God. I was like terrible. I just like always got caught. I always got in trouble. Like some people are very functional with their drinking and drug use. I was not. You were a hot mess. (laughs) I was a mess. (laughs) So like luckily, you know, put it to bed pretty quickly. It worked in your favor. Yes. But um, my last night drinking, I had you know, I had tons of records, two DUIs, I had dropped out of grad school, I got evicted from a couple of apartments in San Diego, like, I was, like, <laughs> just crazy. So many things, so many stories. Anyway, I had moved back home to Rhode Island and living in my parents' house. I was working at some bar and drove home drunk like I always did, and I was also struggling with bulimia at the same time, and so... Um, drove home. My parents were asleep. I, um, was going to make like pasta, um, you know, late night. Yeah. <laughs> late night pasta. Late night pasta. I put the pasta in the pan, did not put any water in it and then passed out on the, um, passed out on the kitchen floor. And I woke up to all this smoke. And I remember my father screaming. I was kind of in and out of a blackout so I hardly remember but I remember him screaming at me there's smoke everywhere like I almost burned down the house which was not unlike any other night but for some reason this is a little different so I woke up the next morning 
in the car in um, the driveway. So like apparently I, I probably tried to like dramatically run away, but my parents had taken my keys. So I get out of the car and I walk back inside and my parents are sitting at the kitchen table with a note that I wrote while I was drunk that I did not remember writing. And it said, I'm an alcoholic and I'm bulimic and I need help. Whoa. <laughs> and so, and I just couldn't think of a lie quick enough to get out of it like I normally would have. And so I think I may have like, you know, smoothed over the bulimia. I was like not ready to address that yet. It was like, I'm like, I'm yeah. exercise bulimic. I don't actually throw up. That was just, just too shameful. Like, but I'm like, maybe I might have a drinking problem. I'm not sure. And so my father was like, uh, you know, if you're going to stay in this house, you need to do um, 90 meetings in 90 days, which is an AA thing. That's what they do. So and that's what I did. I had no intention of staying sober this long. <laughs> <laughs> Ten years later. <laughs> Ten years later. Yeah. So, <laughs> you were I actually was, days. yeah. Well, I actually was so mortified um, because, you know, back up, backing up my, I was, I had gone from being this like neurotic perfectionist, straight A, um, very spun up tight. I went to Pepperdine. I ran cross country, straight A's. I was on a pre-med track. And then I pulled a Britney Spears and went crazy. Uh, and then, no offense, Britney. <laughs> she does listen. And no offense to anyone who lives in New England, too. Like. I know! Oh, my God. So many people hate me already. No. Um, Britney, yeah. Because so Britney's this is... a big listener, by the way. Yeah. yeah. She is. She's into meditation now, I think. So... <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I was just so mortified that I was like, I'm just sentencing myself to a lifetime of AA. Like it was my punishment to myself. Um, right. And Cause you must be punished. I or, must be punished. Right. And what I found was, um, something totally different there. Really well, do you remember life, that first so. meeting? Like you, you're saying you had no intention of staying sober this yeah, long. Yeah, it like... was weird. It was totally not a cool meeting at all. <laughs> I went with my dad. I was super hungover. There were a bunch of old people there. Um, so <laughs> the, that's why they have you do 90 meetings in 90 days so that you try out a, a lot of them. Like you're, you just, and then, and then eventually I found a meeting on Tuesday night. Um, and actually like I strategically planned my Tuesday night Kundalini class down the road later to be right before that meeting. Mm. So it's a young people's meeting still runs in Newport. It's at eight o'clock. It's at Siemens Church Churches. Institute. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, that's where I made all my friends. So um, when I started teaching yoga, which was, you know, I don't know, a year or two into being sober, I was like, I'm gonna do this class from six to 7.15, um, right up the street from that meeting. And maybe, you know, some sober young people will come and meditate with me. And that's totally what happened. It was packed from the very first day. And um, I would say half the class is less sober young people. That's so cool. Yeah, so that's how it started. Yeah. It's, it's, such a, such a <laughs> it's such a beautiful story about what, because that was, you know, this part of you that just wanted to get out of underneath just the addiction and wow really profound totally yeah it was because the DUIs weren't helping like they weren't getting you sober no and getting evicted wasn't getting you sober (laughs) so your higher self had to step in right right it like I I still know and and then you know tackled the eating disorder later in a in a similar way it was like a similar kind of cornering Mm -hmm. um you know I thought I swear, even to this day, that nobody was home when I was doing my binge purge situation. I swear no one was home, but everybody was home, and I got caught. I had been careful about it for, you know, eight years, and it was just that one day, you know? So it was a similar similar thing. You were still carrying that... That yeah. little piece. That, yeah. That little piece. Yeah. And with that growing probably a lot of that low vibe of shame and guilt and I must be punished. Totally, and... totally, totally. Oh, here it so. is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say. Oh, the, so when did the yoga come in? So you, you were a yoga teacher after a year after you became sober. Yeah. So where, how does that, how does that hit come? So that came because I was, so I was doing all the things. I was doing 12 step and I was going to therapy and um, you know, my mother 
Yes. Who is an avid yogi. And she was yes. like, you don't need to do those things. You just need to go to yoga. And I was kind of like, fuck yoga. Like, no, thank you. Um, and um, yeah, so I, I was like too afraid to go to yoga. I'm like, I don't know all the moves. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Do Which it is right. everyone's. Everyone. Yes. I'm, I'm like, flexible and I can't. I'm I like, don't know the, I don't know the moves. So she got me, she was adamant about that. It would help me. And so she got me private lessons with Liz Dufresne, who's a, uh, yeah, I know yes, Liz. Yep. She's a Rhode Island based yoga teacher. Um, and, uh, like came full circle cause her, her and I taught in a teacher training together a couple years ago. So That's kind of a so cool, cool thing. Like she was the one that got me in. So I, I had spent so many years not listening, like not listening to my body at all. Like, you know, if it said I'm hungry, I'm like, no, you're not. So I didn't even know where my, my left leg was. I was so disconnected from my body. Like I remember that first private lesson with Liz, like I could, I was, it was ridiculous. Like I had, I didn't know where any of my body parts were to move them. So just <laughs> totally disconnected. Wait, so, totally. So just to backtrack too, because we have a lot of athletes that listen as well. So yes. in, was this in cross country as well when you were in college or not as like, like being, being able to disconnect from the body? You see what, in, Oh, like, I see where you're going. Yeah. Like athletes would want to just disconnect from the pain or sensation that they're feeling. Right. And push through. Or was that right. in your awareness at that point? That was that so not in my awareness okay. at all, but I was, yeah, my eating disorder prime was while I was an athlete at Pepperdine okay. um, running cross country. And that was very much um, not listening to your body at all and just pushing through and being, you know, totally hyper-focused on. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, eating disorder psychology is deep, but it was very much all about control and restriction and regiment um, and, uh, yeah, I would say, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't, there was no, ugh, no gut, like gut feelings and, um, there's, I, I, I was, so, I can't, I love my body so much. I can't believe I, like it made it through all that. <laughs> it's amazing. Isn't it amazing? It's an amazing, it it's amazing. show up. It I had osteoporosis in, uh, at Pepperdine while I was there, um, at 18, I had osteoporosis in my spine and both hips um, because I was a menorrheic. I was running way too many miles. I was not listening to my body. Um, running fast times. Um, so you got the numbers. You see the numbers. So yeah. a side note. Um, so I am, I'm running a half marathon in every um, city. And, you know, I, I haven't run like this in years. It's been a long time. And my relationship with running has totally changed um so I had stopped for a long time like during that um doing my yoga training and getting sober I'd run like here and there but I, I wouldn't call myself a runner during those years um so I have this new found relationship and love for running um that's totally different than it was and I have this like kind of quiet goal of running my college half marathon time by the end of the year, um, because for me, it would be so validating that like you can still run the times um, and train in this healthy, balanced way. Yeah, that goal's not quiet anymore, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like pretty far away from it. Like I'm old well, now. I was running one an hour and a half, one thirty. Okay. Yes. Okay. It's pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. was I was a five K runner, so Yeah. Anyway. But all of that, just like just like all the years of addiction, just like the bulimia, just like the kundalini, just like the cross country, it's it's all you've absorbed all of that. It's it's who you it's made you who you are now. So it's just it's the remembrance. It is. You know? And then a full sort back back to that. So I was doing private lessons with yeah. Liz. And she was like, she's very intuitive. Um, she is, but she's also a, she's hard, like. She's, hard, oh, she's a hardcore yoga yeah, teacher. Like, she like, means business. Yeah, uh, like, she's not going to, that your mom I paired felt, you up perfectly. Yes, I felt very safe with her. Yes, she's yeah, no she's bullshit. she's amazing. Um, and I told her some of my story, and she was like, all right, well, I'm, this is your, like, prescription. 
you're going to do hot yoga with me. You're going to start coming to classes. She's like, but I just have this feeling. I think you should try kundalini yoga. I think it's going to help you a lot. She's not a kundalini teacher. No. And I did not go uh, for a while. Um, I was a little too ner- too nervous because I Googled it and it looked very strange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, what? I could solve what? And the turbans and the sheepskins, it's out there. So it took me a while to try it. But once I did, um, I had a crazy release. I was I cried um, in class. And, um, and it was a whole different vibe. I liked that. You do the practice with your eyes closed. For me... Yeah, so tell people what kundalini is. Oh, kundalini. Kundalini is the yoga of awareness. Um, and it's less about... Um, strengthening and flexibility it's less about the physical body although it can be very physical um, and it's all connected Um, but it it more so strengthens the nervous system and balances the glandular system and starts to work and reprogram the subconscious mind it's a lot of mind stuff Um, there you do most of it with your eyes closed which was profound for me Um, it's a lot of heavy breath work and rhythmic movements um, that there's not a whole lot of research on kundalini yoga, but there's a whole lot of research on things like tapping and EMDR and things that we're doing in kundalini yoga. Right, right. <laughs> um, so it's really effective. It works very quickly. Um, for me, that first class, even just the simple things like closing my eyes and breathing and moving. So that took away this crazy comparison judging thing that I was doing in other yoga classes. I'm like, I want to do that move or like push myself harder. Your eyes are closed. closed. And then it opens up this whole other world that I hadn't explored before. Like usually the only time I had closed my eyes was when I was sleeping. So I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. I'm breathing and moving and my eyes are closed. I had had no meditation. This was my first introduction to meditation. Um, And it was profound to start listening in a different way. Mm-hmm. As, a, as an athlete, because um, I, I, I love kundalini, I don't practice it as, as much as, um, I'm sure there's a part of me that's in resistance because it does just open you up so much. I'm sure there's, there's the, this resistant energy that's keeping me from going to the studio that's right down the street. <laughs> um, but and some classes are wacky. Yeah, but I love so that. <laughs> but I love that so much. But so, as nothing athlete, wrong with that. <laughs> as an athlete, I love Kundalini for athletes. I was actually just talking about it the other night at dinner after Ironman. So, from your perspective, an athlete, a runner, a teacher, and somebody who really has studied this practice, what do you think about it for athletes? Oh my gosh, I love it. I love it for athletes. Um, so we were just talking about Kundalini has some really interesting meditations and, um, and, and segments of class where you may be doing something for a very long time. Right. <laughs> you might be doing this, um, like, arm hold. Your arms are out to the sides and you're tapping your middle finger to a pressure point uh, for, like, I don't know, 14 minutes or something. <laughs> and... <laughs> What you go through, it's, I mean, there are physical benefits. Like kundalini is an ancient practice it draws from, um, like, um, ancient Chinese medicine and, um, like, you know, there's a whole energetic uh, philosophy behind it. But what goes on in the mind is what I'm more interested in um, because it's a journey. Nothing's changing. And, like, (laughs) you're not... these little muscles in your arms to hold them, I mean, they're not gonna, you're not gonna break them. You're not gonna break your arms. Your muscles are gonna be fine. You're not gonna die, but like your mind will tell you otherwise. <laughs> um, and then, you know, maybe another minute goes by and you're like, oh, this feels actually kind of good. Like, I'm good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I could do this forever. And then, you know, another minute goes by and you're like, oh, fuck, get me out of this. I hate it. I'm quitting. <laughs> So it's, and nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. And so um, I think that you learn, um, you practice a sort of grit in in kundalini um, in sitting through some of that pain. Pain comes in waves in kundalini just like it does in in an endurance race. 
Um, you can do more than you think you can do. Um, you get to know your limits intimately and um, like your mind limits and um, your physical versus like physical limits. And I think for preventing injury too, it's actually really big. Just being able to really tune in and listen to your body. Although I think maybe all types of yoga, probably any mindfulness practice yeah. will help you do that. But yeah. I mean, what you just described, it like to me sounds like a marathon or an Ironman where you're like, One oh my God, I'm going to die. I feel good again. Like, I'm yes. okay. I can do that. I can push a pace. And, yes. and that's what I love about it is just the like that disturbed energy will kind of show up, but then it passes, right? And it's really, isn't that the rhythm of life? Totally. Like, I mean, I feel like these practice, they're like I would call endurance running or endurance athletes, like it's a practice, you know, and um, just like Kundalini is. And we're really doing very similar things because endurance running, I'll use an example, like it's just, it just, it, it, it primes you for life, like the type of grit and pride and hard work. And like, you know, there's many things that in life that do this. You just have to find what lands for you. Kundalini is a beautiful practice for, for any kind of endurance skulls you might have. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm loving this whole endurance thing because in my mind, I'm, I'm visualizing like. You've in, never been to a I've never been, class, but, I'm, but I've, I've been putting in, you. you know, 20 hours of training a week when I could go to one Kundalini class and really get the same benefit of challenging your established belief system oh, and, yes. and getting and how you described that of getting having the fear and the opposition but then getting over it and then getting the fear and, and opposition show up again and then yes. getting over it so yes. it's always getting taking that step to the other side which really deconstructs any sort of belief system that you've built around protecting yourself where the growth is on the other side yes you really tune into what works for you as far as like focus. So, you know, when using the arm example, again, if your both arms are out to the sides, the palms face up horizontal to the floor, and you've got to hold that for 15 minutes, you might find um, that if you lose your focus for even one second, like the pain, the, the pain comes in, you know, and then you, and then you lose it and then your arms fall down. Um, so I think there is a, um, there's a, like you, you, you get better at focusing. Um, by practicing, by practicing, by, pra by putting yourself by in practicing that focusing. Position. Yeah. Right. right. By practicing focusing. <laughs> yeah. There's, not, there's no shortcut. Yeah. Like, and you, you know, <laughs> <laughs> actually focus. So do they know? And it's less hard on your body. You're really right. doing the, the mind training. Like you're not going to get a stress fracture in your arm by doing that for 15 minutes, well, you know, where, you know, you've got to go run a hundred miles to maybe to get that same. Um, I, I don't know. That, yeah. No, it's don't, just an idea. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's, it's totally making sense. So you well, you can still, what you're saying is, is in this Kundalini class, it's, it's basically you're rewiring <laughs> the mind. Yes. When every, I would say, majority of athletes feel that the physical is where the work can be yes. established to, to achieve your goals. But if you back step it a few, you know, take it back a little bit, focus on the mind, get that established first, then you can safely build up the endurance miles. So 10 miles a week and then 15 miles a week and then see that progression. But you're actually up leveling, you're fast forwarding because your mindset is already believing it can hold any position for any extended yes, period of and time. Yes, and or like the opposite. I mean, like you do, I mean, this mind stuff is the difference between first and second place. Oh, absolutely. Right? Like they're, they're both physically like an incredible shape first and second place. Like probably the same amount of fitness. The difference between that 30 seconds or two minutes is all mind, nothing else. Like one didn't train harder than the other. That's mind. So, um, yeah, you, it's, it's fine tuned. I think this is really important for like higher level, level athletes. I'm sure they're all doing it. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think you'd be surprised. I oh. think you'd be surprised. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Maybe after this conversation, Brit yeah. Brittany's out there spreading the word. We'll, we'll get some exposure. Um, I think it's a, it's a fascinating concept coming from someone who believes that from the old adage, you know, more is better, like killing, crushing right, yourself. Right, yes, right. But, but as I've become a yoga teacher, because it's worked so well for me in my physical rehabilitation and, and mindset, having that knowledge that 
putting yourself in the Grand Canyon, we call it, like, and you have to actually feel the sensation build in your body and not react to every thought. Yeah, so it's like not, it's practicing not responding to every impulse of your yes, mind. right. And what you gain with that is that you, you start to learn the tendencies of the mind. And if you can learn the tendencies of the mind, you, you gain so much control over yeah. that mind because you're like, oh yeah, this is what happened. Like, and you start to see the rhythms and your programming. Yeah. You see your programming. And by learning the tendencies of the mind, by, by pulling the veil off the, your programming, you can change it. Because we know the neural system in the body can be changed. It's plastic. Right, so it you, can totally. be shaped. You train totally. it to be this way, right? which is probably not the right, right way. So right. You, why can't you change it and train it the other way? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. So yeah. this sounds... I, I might even go out and give it a try. Yeah. <laughs> we should all go to a Sundalini class. <laughs> we can do it right now. There's do it right after this. <laughs> yeah, I know, actually. We're going to teach it right here. So my question is, do they know it's 15 minutes ahead? Do you tell them if you're going to hold so it for it 15 minutes? So it depends. It okay. depends. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Yeah. The mind wants to know. Oh, of course right. the mind wants sometimes to know. Sometimes no. Sometimes no. Tell you. Sometimes no. So that's, that's up in the air. It's not I've been, right. I've been yeah. in your class <laughs> when we've done like the frog <laughs> thing where we're like, you know what I'm talking yes, about? Yeah, oh, yes. mother of God. And you don't know how long you're going to be there. And she's like... Okay, keep going. Like you, see, you hear them speak, and you're like, "Oh, they're going to tell us." It. Yeah, she'll right, just say, right. Okay, keep going, keep going, and then it's like nothing. Like it's not like she's saying you're doing great or anything. It's like silence, silence. Have your experience, and you're in it. Yeah. You're in the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Like you're in it. You've got all these impulses, and you just keep doing another one. Yeah. And that's yeah. really, it strengthens, I think, your ability to be present because you're like, okay, just I'm going right. to okay, yes. do one right. more. Okay, I'm going to do one more. I'm going to do one more. Versus waiting for it to end, which is enduring. Right, right, which is not right, what you want to do in, in right. class. Waiting for you to give them the cue. Yes. Wishing for another Wait, now. Right. Yes. Right? yes. But then but then maybe she'll chime in and say, um, okay, three more minutes. And you're like, three more minutes? Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And then you're right, like, right. well, three more minutes. I've already been, I feel like I've been doing this for 90, so I can do another three. There's a funny, like, saying, in, not a saying, there's a funny, like, joke in Kundalini. <laughs> you know those spoofs, like, um... What is it? Shit yogis say? Yeah. So they did, yeah. One, they did one for Kundalini. <laughs> it's all like, that was nine minutes? Wait, that was three minutes? Wait, that was seven minutes? Like, because when you're done and I tell you how long you did it for, you're like, yeah. that was nine minutes? <laughs> like, yeah. You cannot believe it. Yeah. I went into, I, when I first started practicing, I thought, okay, well, everything's three minutes. And so I was like, this is a really long three minutes. And then it would be like, you just did that for 14 minutes. I'm like, 14 minutes? Oh my God, that's like... Well, the mind's so interesting. I bet this also can like translate to endurance running. I've never run, you know, 50 miles or 100 miles. But like, while you're in it, you're like, this is forever. I'm going to be doing this forever. So long. And then you finish it and you're like, oh... This isn't that bad. <laughs> yeah. I could do it. I could do it faster. Yeah. I, I could do, do it, it again and I could do it faster. <laughs> yeah. Who was your teacher for Kundalini? I started practicing at 10th Gate. Okay. Yep. yep. And then I did um, my teacher training with Huddy Carr. Uh, she's a teacher out of New York City. Okay. Um, and 10th Gate is a, a sweet studio in Portsmouth on Aquidneck Island, which is the same island that Newport is on, if people don't aren't familiar with that area. And for you, what did it, what was it that got you hooked? Like, what, what was, what were you taking away? I think a lot of it had to do with the community, actually. It was a whole different um, vibe, like I said, when I walked into that class. Um, it, it didn't feel like an exercise class, which I liked, actually. Um, and I remember after the first class, because um, we did a, do a crazy arm thing, and I did start sobbing for some weird reason. And I remember going up to like the women after, who were also dressed in really cool outfits. Like there were no spandex. It was like very like, I don't know, hippie. I liked it. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh man, my arms are out of shape. I couldn't <laughs> hold them up. And they just started laughing at me. They're like, it's not your arms, honey. <laughs> I'm like, what do I mean by that? <laughs> So, um, I felt, um, I felt a little high after, which I also liked to, you know, yeah. So oh, I've definitely felt new, that way. well, a newly sober girl really likes feeling high. So yeah. I was like, sweet. Okay. I can get a little high by doing this yoga and I like the people there. And, um, so I, I was living at 
home and um, had dropped out of grad school and whatever. I had all these all this debt and no money. So I emailed uh, the owner at Tenth Gate and was like, I I freaking love this yoga. I think I need to keep doing it. it was a little intuition, mm-hmm. and um, but I don't have any money, basically. And she was like, come clean the studio once a week, and you can practice for free. So that was really good for me at that time um, because it kind of locked me into a healthy community of people. Um, I was pre- doing tons of yoga, um, and I felt some, like, purpose for being there. Um, yeah. 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 That's beautiful. And then yeah. it just kept going. You became and I just kept a teacher. Going. And became a teacher, yep. And then um, started a kundalini yoga clothing company. Yeah, uh, so tell, talk about have. your business a little bit. So, yeah, that started... And kundalini clothing is super cool, by the way. <laughs> and just for the record, the first time I walked into a kundalini class, I wore all black. <laughs> Which you can. Which you I can. Mean, you but totally I was like, can. the shadow self is here. <laughs> So, yeah, that's one of, you know, with kundalini yoga, the way I teach it anyway, it's like take what you need, leave the rest. There's like a lot of wacky practices with it. And they've landed for me at different times in, in my life. And, and now, you know, there's certain ones that I'm like, you know, it doesn't, doesn't land as deeply as maybe it, it – there's just so, there's so many things, which is great because mm-hmm. if, you know, if you want, it's kind of like, I don't know, you take what you, take what you need. Um, you don't have to do all of it. So one of the things um, is wearing all white. And so um, this is a great business because <laughs> white gets dirty. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and people Jones need more security. of them. <laughs> so, um, but like, it's like, okay, so there's all these people doing this yoga, looking for white yoga clothes. Like who in their right mind wants to wear white yoga clothes? Nobody. So there's nowhere to get them. Uh, but then, but there actually are all these people that do want to wear white yoga clothes, totally different style and everything. But there was this opportunity to provide, uh, provide a product and a service, uh, that wasn't, you know, it was kind of a very niche market that, that wasn't being. And you've had the business for how long now? Since 2012. 2012, and it's called Longtime Sun. Yeah. yeah. And people can buy the clothes online. Yep. Yeah, and you got to check it out because Kyla's got cool style. Yeah, and there's, you know, it's we've got other stuff on there too. So, you know, if you're not into white, flowy, cotton clothes, we've got some cool, cool other colors too. <laughs> and you can wear black. <laughs> and you can wear Just black. Just so you know, I did survive that class. I was all into black back then. Just it was very <laughs> suiting for where I was at the time. Okay, cool. So let's get back to let's get back to this this tour that you on. You you left when? I left New Year's Day. <laughs> Seemed so appropriate. Cool. I ran a I ran a race. I ran a five whatever five or six mile race, the Hangover Classic in okay. Bristol. <laughs> on you were the Day. only sober person there. I was the only sober. I had a I had a little advantage. <laughs> it wasn't really fair. Um, so, and then like I literally didn't shower and I just drove off from there. Um, so yeah, I. Uh, what was that moment like of because I I've experienced going over the bridge, it, driving oh, away. What my was that? gosh, yes, going over the bridge. That was my moment. I bawled my eyes out. Um, something I like hadn't mentioned was so I was. I don't know what how it was for you guys, but prepping for this tour was the most insane time of my life. It was very stressful and chaotic and nutty, like, and all the fears coming in, um, like, you know, breaks, like, oh, what am I doing? But I had, so I was, I closed my store. I had moved that Tuesday night community to a, a church. That class still runs now with rotating teacher. Um, I was moving out of my condo. I had also just gone through a breakup. I was planning a tour, doing all the outreach because I'm teaching yoga for underserved, uh, which also meant I had to do a zillion yoga trainings because I'm also like, you know, I need to be, I need to know what I'm doing. You can't just walk into a prison. No, I need to know what I'm doing. So I did two, two training, two legit trainings before I left. I started a nonprofit. Then I'm also discovering about van life. I didn't even know this was a thing. Everyone's like, you got to get a van and build it out. I'm like, what? You could have called us. We were like, you can also do it now. I'm a fit. So I'm doing all these things. And then my dad died. That's right. 
my god! I remember seeing that? You, <sighs> but it was such a be- oh my god! But like, it was beautiful, and the timing was it sounded so beautiful. Like, he was if if anyone's seen the show Shameless, my father was Frank at the end. He was just a mess, like addict. It was just it was bad. But he and sounded so, like such a but also amazing, amazing. Guy. also amazing. He's amazing. Um, but where I'm going with this is like. That was really the one thing that I was feeling guilty about leaving for because he wasn't, he wasn't doing well. Um, he was struggling with addiction. He was in and out of nursing homes and the ER. And um, I was like, I really need to do this trip. But like, who's gonna visit my dad? Who's gonna call nine one one when he overdoses again? Um, like, who's gonna take care of business? Oh, so it's a whole other story, but. But he left. But he, he left. set me free. He was yeah, like, he, did. he, he was so done. Amazing. He was done. Um, it was really, um, you know, in, in the moment, horrible timing because I had all this stuff going on. And then it was like, what? Like, um, but it was the most perfect timing. I could have. I mean, it was the most perfect timing. How I, I want to um, if it's if it's OK, I want to dig in a little bit. You know, here you are at 24 you know, he catches you in the kitchen, he's yelling at you, yep. you leave the note, you get sober, but he continues to struggle. He was, he was sober at that time. He was yeah. sober he at was that sober. time. He was sober, he was sober my, yeah, crazy. Um, he was sober my entire life up until uh, maybe six years ago. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, this is sort of a sneaky part of addiction. Um, addiction uh, is, um, the research is saying, it's trauma-based. And so... I don't know that he ever really did the work on the trauma. The reprogramming. He never the did healing. the reprogramming. Mm-hmm. And so... So um, then you're just kind of like hoping that you can stay ahead. Right. So he... Yeah. W- he I just knew a very different dad. He was... he was Yes. Yeah, so he was sober um, and he was okay. kind of like model, you know, AA guy. And then went out on um, pain meds. He had back pain mm. and uh, just big opioid problem in Rhode Island Mm -hmm. and so and for sure that just kind of it was downhill like crazy from there and so then he struggled yeah thank you for sharing that because that was kind of like interesting contrast with you being sober and oh totally and then the roles got reversed yeah and then the roles got reversed (laughs) like they do right so and then he let him then he said so this yeah so beautiful so yeah he's with me you know totally on this trip um so yeah this tour is about so many things and one of them's yeah just kind of so you're going over the bridge Oh, okay, bringing it back. Oh my gosh. So I'm like, I go over the bridge and I'm bawling my eyes out. I have just let go of so many things, including my father. I'm like, I am, I just, um, but it's also so beautiful. Like it's sad. It's scary. It's, it's so much emotion all at once. I'm like, my whole life is in this fucking van right now. I've got my dog with me. Like I can go anywhere I want to. Like what? Like this is crazy. So I felt um, I was overcome with a feeling of freedom and um, excitement and sadness, all of the things, like every emotion all at once. Mm-hmm. It was so cool. And where have you, where was, like, where have you been so far? So I did um, January in Austin, February in Denver, March in Portland. I was supposed to do April in San Francisco, May in Los Angeles, but I ended up here in Ojai for two months. Then I go to New Mexico for the month of June. Uh, July, I'll be in Asheville. Oh, uh, we went to Asheville. We went to Asheville. Yeah, I've never been. Super, I'm psyched. Yeah, super cool. <laughs> yeah, psyched. Um, and then what month is after that? August, I'll be somewhere in New England. Uh, I have some work. You've got um, a storage unit to get rid of. I, and that's what I'm going to do <laughs> when I... I'm going to, you know, make a little... Uh, side trip to Newport, get rid of the shit in the storage unit. <laughs> and then, <laughs> as per Jess's orders. <laughs> yeah. I think people know on the podcast our feelings on storage units. Yeah, storage units, units freak me out. Drive by and we're like, well, okay, to my credit, my father was a um, amazing woodworker. So I have a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that he made that I think is worth keeping. So I might downsize it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get rid of the couch. Yeah. 
but I'm keeping the table. <laughs> okay. You can put it in the back of the van. I probably could fit it so in the So will that, that'll be the full circle then. Um, we'll... And then, yeah, and then um, August, September, I'll be in Chicago. Um, October, Nashville. Uh, November, I'm in uh, uh, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And then December, I'm in Florida. And then I'm coming back to California. Heck yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you set out to, with a, well, you tell us, like, what's the mission of this tour? Right. Uh, so, so many things. The, I did start a nonprofit. And so really the overarching goal is for me to get clear on how I can be more of service in my life and how my company can make a bigger impact. I don't know what that looks like. I'm kind of exploring like what service means, like what is what is outreach? What does it mean to have a nonprofit? What, is um, the what non-profit? do people need? So Longtime Sun Yoga Project is the um, nonprofit's a 501c3 and, and basically the general mission is that we support yoga and mindfulness programs for underserved. Um, I also, I started that nonprofit, I didn't know anything about starting nonprofits, but I had to do a lot of reading and a lot of paperwork. Meanwhile, I was taking a yoga training at Shri, which is also a Rhode Island-based nonprofit. Do you know Allison Bologna at Mm -hmm. Shri? Mm -hmm. Incredible. They're an incredible organization. They put over 300 yoga classes uh, per month for free in Rhode Island to underserved populations. Wow. I did her training, which was one of the best yoga trainings I've ever I've done a, a zillion yoga trainings this was one of the best I ever took we didn't learn much about yoga <laughs> um it was really um practical uh it was for for outreach and teaching to underserved it was like you know um this is what it's like to call an organization this is what you can expect when you get there these are the types of rooms you might be teaching in these are things you should say to this population maybe maybe avoid to this other population um these are um, sequences that work and, at, and don't work. Um, so it, it was really like, it was, it was so good. And I, I love Allison, the um, executive director, just her energy is so contagious. Um, the first time I met her, she was, she was like, she invited me to a class that she was teaching to adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And I'm like, what does that even look like? It didn't look like what I, I mean, it looked, it was just incredible like I showed up and the way that she had them moving and breathing and engaged um, was just unlike anything I'd seen before so I'm like I need to do that training she her and I hit it off she's like I love what you're doing I love this tour Um, how can we help you and so I partnered with them and they support um, and help me outreach to different organizations and offer yoga classes, and they sponsor my teaching time. Oh, that's so amazing. Isn't that amazing? That's wonderful. So in Austin, I was helping out and teaching with at-risk youth. In Denver, I was teaching to seniors, many of which um, had Alzheimer's. In Portland, I was teaching to adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities, and here in California, I just taught to a group of inmates that are part of this program to become firefighters. Oh, wow. That's yeah. amazing. Isn't wow. that amazing? Yeah. Yeah. So I was teaching at the fire station, like the fire training station. So it, it just so happens that I've been teaching to all these different groups. And I mean, the class looks so different depending on who's in front of you. And it's really outside of my comfort zone, which I'm loving. I, I, yeah, it's, it's helped me grow a lot. What have you learned about getting to the other side of fear? There is fear, like legitimate fear that you should listen to. Like getting to know your internal compass is so important. You can get to know your internal compass through many different practices. And meditation has been like the number one for me. But that internal compass will tell you if it's like legit a no, don't do this. It's not right for you. Just like you were talking about with the um, yoga studio opportunity you had. Like it's a no. This is not me fear of getting, this is not a fear of me getting bigger. This is a no, it's not right for me. Or is it, you know, the fear I was feeling of like, okay, this is really scary. My ego and... It's like, yeah, it's, it's ego stuff that's trying to keep me small and comfortable. 
but I knew that like I'm, I'm in touch with my internal compass. So I'm like, I know that like, I know that you're not serving me. I'm supposed to be growing and doing this bigger, more expansive thing. And then you feel, you get, you get, you kind of, um, it's kind of like <laughs> an endurance race. Like you get that feeling after you do the thing that's scary. It's that like, it's like a runner's high almost. And then life sort of, I feel like, I believe life kind of rewards you. So you get through the fear, you do the thing you know you're supposed to do, um, and you follow, you know, your internal compass, then things get easy. You get this runner's high, we'll just call it that, and then it just starts to feel and flow. Opportunities are coming to you, um, things are falling into place, maybe you get that, like, email job, you know, it's just like things... The universe is like a mom saying, like, good job. Here's some, yeah. <laughs> Here's some cookies. Yeah. Well, do you believe that you're a co-creator? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Like when you were saying, I don't want to say small, but let's say like no, safe, right? Safe, like back yeah, in yeah. where you were in Rhode Island, that um, what you were getting from that was the anxiety and the imposter syndrome and all of that. Yep. And now that you followed and that – internal voice which I really believe that once you get more in touch with them sometimes they're like pretty loud and firm but they're also very subtle totally that said meditation and having like I have the most amazing very real friends that have also done you know the work and so they help me like talking processing with like soul heart friends that I know are like, you know, on that level um, and they can help me figure it out. You know, like even as I tell, talk, you know, I've got <laughs> a girlfriend that I call all the time at home, but you know, like I, I she doesn't even need to say anything. I just call her and I talk and I'm like, okay, I got it. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but it, it's, it's people who but, are you know, living, um, living from that voice and, and that yes. they know their internal right. compass. And yes. so, you know, people might think that that the three of us have been known each other for years, but you just met BJ tonight. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been to your class a handful of times. They were very powerful, but it's been a handful of times. But I feel like I know you so well. Like at one point I was like, okay, we got to start this podcast because we'd already been talking (laughs) and I'm like, we're just talking. Like attracts like. It's kind of like a little magnet. Yeah. Like attracts like. I try to keep those people close, you know, And, and when I'm feeling confused about my internal compass, like, it's, I just have to even, like, just be around someone that's sort of, like, you know, in tune with theirs and kind of, like, right. sets me straight. Because we've all had to step over that fear barrier. Yeah. We, we all, I mean, we do it all the time, mm-hmm. and, and so do you. So even though, like, things still line up, um, and you're in this slipstream now, like, you're five months in, yeah. there's still going to be things that are going to scare you. You're still going to have oh, the unknown. Oh, fear comes back all the time. <laughs> we were all just talking. <laughs> like, <laughs> little, um, little, little kid tantrums or something. I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's like, one thing I will say is that the background anxiety that I was experiencing while I was in Newport is really gone. It's really not there. The day-to-day stress, I mean, like, it comes up, um, but, like, that thick, claustrophobic feeling is really gone. But, yeah, of course, there's this, like, there's moments, and this is just life, like, and I tell myself, I have this moment, it's funny, it can be a little roller coastery. like, I remember driving down the coast from Portland, Oregon, down to California. And I was in tears, just so blissful. I'm like, I am so grateful. This is so beautiful. Like, look at the coast. I'm supposed to be in California. My whole life's in the van. And I'm like, tears of joy and gratitude. And then, like, literally two days later, I'm trying to pack an order, like, out of my van. It's, like, logistically impossible. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? This is so stupid. I mean, I can't believe I did this. So it's like, you know, but... These moments come up, whether like I'm home, you know, I'm in one place or if I'm traveling, it's like just the nature of it's life. It's, it's life. Living life. It's living life. You're, you're actually, you're actually in that moment, feeling the, the blissful tears and joy. And you're in that frustration of packaging. Yes. Yes. So you're actually experiencing it where I think a lot of people, it, it gets, 
shoved aside and they just get on that, that hamster wheel where they just flow through. Okay, it's supposed to be like this. Well, yeah, it's supposed to be like this, but if you live in the moment, it, you're not gonna attach the, that, the feeling of uh, angst or anxiety. You're not gonna attach that same thing to the experiences you're having because you're actually, the only way to live life is in the moment, right? You, get, you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta be there to experience it. So why would you wish it away? Mm -hmm. like, and feel that whatever it is, like, I can just visualize you two coming down the coast, like feeling so much joy and happiness because it's in that moment, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Yep. Your heart is aligned. And then when you're packaging your gear, that's exactly what you need to be doing. And maybe the mind wants to fall back on an old thought that it believed to be true. Yeah. But you're still living that, you're living through that experience. And so I think getting through that fear your confidence is building and our confidence is building as we experience these things more and more. But if you don't take that first step to get real with yourself and your, yes. and your inner gut feeling that's saying, don't go, don't do it, don't do it, don't. Yeah. But yeah. you go and do it, that effect just can spiral. And then, and then yeah, it's blissful on the other side. But so, you still have to show up. You're yes. in the slipstream, like you still have to show up. You know, yesterday we were driving back down from Santa Rosa to Berkeley and we had recorded a podcast on Sunday from Santa, from Iron Man and we wanted to launch it yesterday. So we're in the car and we're in traffic and I'm on the headphones and I'm editing in the car and I'm like, I am going to throw up. I am so car sick right now. And I'm like, but then feeling the pressure of like, I've got to launch it today. And I'm like, take the headphones off, open up the window, <laughs> fucking relax. Like this is an amazing life. Just is, don't throw up on the computer because this actually has the podcast on it, you know? And it's like, we kind of laugh. We're just like, you still have to show up, but what an amazing, what an amazing life um, and, on the other side of fear. Yes. And then everything just w was in flow after that. We found a Whole Foods. We got a parking spot right at the front and we missed traffic and then we made it to our place and it was like everything, the podcast was launched, like all the flow happened. Yeah. As soon as you put the resistance go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Except, it was like, it doesn't yeah, right, need to happen right, 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 right now right, as we're going right. over the Bay Bridge, right? Like it can just, it will, it will be fine. It'll be fine. And guess what? It's it got launched. And right. It's all, it's in the world, you know? Um, so how can people follow you? What do you, are you, like if somebody's like, oh my God, I'm in Nashville and I, oh, you know. Oh, yes. And that's happened so much. Um, <laughs> it's been so beautiful. Talk about staying in the moment. Like I'm in each place for a month and just meeting up with people for the sake of meeting up and no other thing. Like there's no other. Agenda. There's no mm -hmm. agenda. Like that's new. That's really actually new for me. Like I like, you know not trying to get anything from you we're just meeting up right yeah it's so beautiful if, so if beautiful you so long time sun yeah long time sun at, at long time sun yogi's instagram long time sun yogi.com you can see the tour of where i'll be cool long time sun yoga project.com you can um, learn all about the outreach and the if you want to wear white if you want to wear white, you'll have to go to the Tuesday night class in Newport. No, <laughs> your website, your clothing company. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm teaching that kind of yoga right now. Uh, my clothing company, longtimesunapparel.com. Sweet. Awesome. <laughs> Kyla, this has been amazing. I'm so glad that I waited three years to have you on and that we had to travel 3,000 miles across the country to meet up. It's perfect. I love you. Thank you. <laughs>